One thing I can't get enough of as a people leader is feedback. Do you love feedback as much as I do? If so, please consider writing a review of All Hands and rate us wherever you listen. The two are more intertwined than I think more people care to acknowledge, right? There's not some separate person that deals with family issues and some other person that's the founder of the company. They're the same person. Welcome to All Hands by Lattice, where we believe that people strategy is business strategy. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. For the last decade, I've been a people and culture executive at some of the internet's most beloved startups. But my fascination with building true people-first cultures started many, many years ago. From film to tech and a few interesting layovers in between, the one common denominator remains. I am most passionate about enabling people through belonging to create beautiful, innovative products. On all hands, I talk with CEOs and other C-level leaders about how being a people-first company is a strategic advantage. Join us while we chat with these top leaders about how a people-first approach isn't just good for people, it's good for business too. Welcome to this the final episode of the first season of our podcast, All Hands. I can't tell you what an incredible experience it has been to host this podcast over the course of the last year. With every guest, we've documented strange new 2020 plot twists that impact the way we operate, how we communicate, and challenge what we truly value most. I've noted in several episodes that it will be nearly impossible for any of us to come out of this unchanged. The world of work will never look the same. I am not the same which is why I'm so very grateful that our last episode features a guest who understands that evolution better than anyone else. Joining me today is my business partner, mentor, sponsor, advocate, and boss, Alexis Ohanian. Alexis and I have spent the last half decade building companies together, both as operators and investors. Before our paths dovetailed, Alexis had already founded multiple startups, was a partner at Y Combinator, and had written a best-selling book. You all likely know him for co-founding Reddit, marrying the greatest athlete of all time, Serena Williams, and being this generation's most vocal supporter of paid family leave. In his own podcast, Business Dad, he illuminates the experiences of successful fathers attempting to balance parenthood and livelihood. But deep down, what Alexis really wants to be known for is his bizarrely detailed pancake creations for his three-year-old daughter, Olympia. Alexis, welcome to All Hands. Thank you, Caitlin. Hell of an introduction, and I'm glad that you took note of my pancake work, and I take that work very seriously. Let me talk a little bit about why I'm so excited to have you on the show. You have obviously been a part of my life and a part of my career for many, many years now, but one of the reasons I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show, particularly as our closer, is because this is the first time we have both the founder and the head of people on mm. together. So mm -hmm. for five years, we've, we've been building company cultures together in a variety of, of ways. So we started at Reddit, which was an incredible place to learn. And then you went over to Initialize, a venture capital firm that you had co-founded and began building that team. And so I was helping you build cultures externally by supporting some of your, your founders in that portfolio. Mm -hmm. Long story short, eventually we, we convinced each other, I think is how that works, that maybe I should give my, my hand at investing. And so we did. And then 2020 hit us with all of the crazy things that 2020 did. And, mm -hmm. and in that, we now have started this incredible new firm. I'm going to, to say it's incredible because I believe in it that much, yeah. 776. So mm -hmm. 
I'm going to, I'm going to take us back in time before we get to 776 first. And, you know, I've got to be honest, I've watched you grow and change a lot, like a lot, a lot since we first met. And when we first started working together, yes, you were supportive. And otherwise I, I wouldn't have made the, the choice to work for you the first time, but I would say maybe even cautious or skeptical of culture work. Mm-hmm. You, you were there, you were open, but you were like, yeah, I know something isn't working and, and we should change, but I'm not sure that you were as true of a believer in culture work as you are today. So w- first of all, would you say that that's an accurate assessment? And two, what has that evolution been like for you from your perspective? Yeah, I think that's it, absolutely accurate. I was very skeptical because I knew something was wrong. I knew there needed to be work done, a lot of work done to help sort of get over and all the debts. There were tech debts, culture debts, business debts within the org. Because this is a 10-year-old company that had been founded. I mean, I was a 21-year-old CEO of Reddit right out the gate, not knowing anything about anything and and actually pretty cynical about a lot of corporate things. And I know mm-hmm. back then for sure, I would have thought anything about values or culture or team building would have been just some malarkey from you know, soulless corporate life. And we were going to do it differently because we were, we were the pirates and they were the Navy. And that's just not, not cool for pirates to talk about. And, and that was a very naive and limited worldview. And, but then I got the benefit of having other experiences, starting other companies, being a partner at YC and getting a front receipt to so many different companies get built. And then coming back to the company I had co-founded 10 years later and seeing the effect of not having that kind of leadership of not having that kind of intentionality when building an org, right? The byproduct of that was it had just sort of calcified around, you know, not great things. And, and there was a lot of work to be done to undo that. And, and seeing the progress that could happen once there was a lot of intentionality at every level of the org about the work that we were doing, the, the values we held, the way that we built and, and recruited, we saw that spin up rather quickly. And and that really showed me like, this wasn't just going from zero to one, this was going from like negative one to one. And and once that flywheel gets going, and you start creating an environment where people want to work, so your cost to acquire new employees goes down, your retention of talent is higher. You're also able to cycle through folks when it's just clearly not a fit for for either. And it's done in a respectful and and way that makes both parties better, really, at the end of the day. It makes them better off. Watching that then in a fast-growing modern startup was was really eye-opening. I, I can't unsee that either now because I've seen all the benefits and the long-term effect of it. I just can't imagine building an org any other way. And so, so much of the work that we get to do now is working with founders in those first days where many of them are, they're all smarter than I was back then, but they're at least, they're all at similar, or a lot of them are at similar stages where this is the first time they've built a company before. Maybe they've mm-hmm. done a lot of other things. Maybe they haven't done anything, but they're also neophytes like I was, but they're really willing to hear the sort of best practices and really interested to to build a better and more deliberate org. I think in part because of what they've seen over the last 10, 15 years of startups either going really well or really wrong because that work right. either gets done or it doesn't. And and when it gets done and it gets done well, huge returns. There, there's lots of good that comes from it. And when it isn't, it's bad, really bad. 
Yeah, you you can't just say it. You can't just have stickers on a laptop. You you have to really mm-hmm. operationalize them and and make them a really really powerful sharp tool uh, in the toolkit when used well. When used poorly or or not thoughtfully, they can be incredibly damaging. So I I agree. What about building this new venture capital firm that just really excites you? Like why now in the middle of a pandemic and what is is kind of the focus? I obviously I know these answers. So <laughs> these are layups, yes. but but I'm so excited to share because this is just in the early, early infancy phases of of what it is yet to be. So I would mm-hmm. love for you, Alexis, to share with our audience a little bit more about 776. Sure. Why start another venture firm in the middle of a pandemic, especially when Initialized is it was doing so well? You know, this is, I think in a lot of ways, this is a story of 2020 where we got to spend a lot of time thinking if we have families, we got to spend a lot of time with those families. I know I certainly did. And especially as as a guy who's had had a lot of success now, 15, yeah, 15 years in to his professional career. A lot of what this year did was force me to really decide what kind of a person I wanted to be, what kind of legacy I wanted to leave behind. And look, a lot of this was was catalyzed by what we saw after the murder of George Floyd, where mm-hmm. I really and like, yeah, so I'm, I'm married to Serena Williams, as you, you noted at the, the jump here. <laughs> but even if she weren't Serena Williams or maybe because she is Serena Williams, I see still just the amount of bullshit that she has to deal with mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And and as someone who has accomplished as much as she has to still think that she fights with that every single day, really, really crystallizes the work that we have to do as a country. Yeah. And, and then it's my wife. So of course I take it even <laughs> more personally and I get into it on, I get into it on Twitter. I've, I've said plenty of things and done plenty of things, none of which that I regret. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to express myself on these issues, but it, I don't know, after, after George, after he was murdered, watching that clip, mm-hmm. it really hit me in a different way because I was having a lot more conversations at the dinner table every single night about this. Mm-hmm. And really that it, it, I think it, it changed me in a way that made me realize I need to be spending a lot more of the work that I do, the time that I do, I, I, I need to be putting in I got to be putting in the work really because I want to have a future conversation with my daughter that I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is she's going to encounter a world that needs a lot of problems solved and she's three. So like in 10 years, she'll be a snarky teenager. <laughs> yes, she will. And, and for the next decade, she'll have every person on the planet telling her, what a difference her mother made in, mm-hmm. in their lives and so many people's lives. And, and it is kind of liberating to never have to compete with that. There is no way I will ever have that kind of an effect just because of who I am and where I come mm-hmm. from that Serena has had. And, and that's, that's actually a great thing because it lets me really be able to chart something that is true to what I want to be doing and how I yeah. want to do it. And I just want to make sure to have a really good story for Olympia to be like, this is how Papa makes his money. This is what he did to make that money. And this yeah. is why he's really proud of what he's built. And, you know, that's what prompted me at the end of the day to resign uh, from the board of Reddit and protest. And, and, you know, I was relieved and delighted to see them make mm-hmm. changes to the content policy to finally ban hate speech to yeah. see it was relieved and thrilled to see them honor my request to be replaced by a black director, but it didn't stop there. I, I needed to really see 
if I spent the next 10, 15 years working on initialized with someone who I really care about, Gary, my, my co-founder and, and mm-hmm. co-manager partner of the firm, I needed to really believe 110% this was exactly what I wanted to do and exactly how I wanted to do it. And if I didn't believe that, then I should be selfish and and chart my own course where I could really believe and 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 then also really be able to build something deliberately. We we talked about yeah. sort of tech debt, we talked about people debt. Every organization has this. It's why the first 12 months of a company are the most productive because yeah. you can just go, you just build mm-hmm. and and having had the the good fortune to work with you and Lizzie for the last half decade in some really hard situations and, mm-hmm. and you know turn around a now billion dollar company, I feel like all of those experiences make it just really easy to see that blank canvas and know exactly how we wanna to go. I mean, we're we're gonna learn plenty of stuff and, and get things wrong along the way, but like there's a lot that we get to just run into and and really architect in a way we want to. And it's liberating to have that blank canvas again. And it's and it's a liberating time to be doing something, especially in venture, especially especially in the early stage, though we're not limited to it, because that is the gateway for so many people to get yeah. into this industry, to get into tech, to get into venture. And we get to reimagine every single part of the firm that we build yep. down to like who our LPs are and yep. wanting diversity there down to how we support our founders and the 2% pledge, which you should talk about down to what we, what we build for our operators and residents. There's a lot. There's like so yeah. much stuff to unpack, but taking all the experience and then having the unfair advantage of your background and all the work that you've done means that we can really build an intentional venture firm where because we know the value of getting this stuff right, yeah. this is this is the capitalist imperative. This is the thing that I, I really believe ends up making the most money and also sets a different standard in an industry that has pretty low standards, frankly, and, mm-hmm. and does a much better job changing that world for my daughter, for your sons in a better way than tech has done, let's say in the last 10, 15 years of just moving fast and breaking things. Working with and studying so many great leaders in the world of tech and film and beyond, for me, this is the number one thing that I look for in a partner. It's when a leader can live in integrity. That doesn't mean you get it right every time, no. But when you don't, you make it right. And this is just one of the many, many reasons I'm so thrilled to be building 776 with Alexis. You mentioned three or four of the programs that we've got on on the docket, and I, I cannot wait to share those with the world. I think that I'm excited about what we're going to be able to do in the world of venture, but I genuinely believe that this can be done in any industry. I don't care if you are making dry dog food. I think mm. that if, if our leaders can live in better integrity with themselves, with our values, and really partner with people who know how to operationalize that within organizations from a diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging standpoint, and taking the time to do that deep culture work, the opportunity to do that is, is just absolutely unbounded. I, th- like I have so, so much excitement for this stuff, and I, I genuinely wish that we had more time to talk and to share uh, more about 776, but that, that will be yet to come. I also want to give credit where it's due because like, you know, we're talking about, we did, you know, in the, you, I I hope you all read the business insider profile of Caitlin and her transition over to 776 because it, it, you know, you unveiled 
a little bit. You did talk a little bit about one of the, the first programs of the fund, this 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 two percent fund, which is around supporting our founders as as whole people. And and I want to give credit where it's due because Felicis offered, I think it was a year or two ago, one percent of invested capital at early stage in the first the first check to founders for uh, mental health support and resources, so they could access those dollars for mm-hmm. therapy or or what have you around the mental health side and. Like this was a great first step. And so it was on us to say, all right, how do we push this further? How do we do it better? How do we do more? And what I love is that you brought experiences from, I think, various stages in your career to say, no, no, no we can actually make this program even better. We can, we can not just increase the amount of money, but, but actually open the breadth for how founders can use it. Yes. This is the perfect case of, yes, using our combined strengths and, and experiences to, to bring something together, to look not just at our own experiences, but to look at, at the world around us and the things that are working well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can call it double downing on something. You can call it amplifying it. We, we have so many different words for taking this, but I, I will choose the Pixar words, which is plus it up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And take mm-hmm. it plus it, man. Take take what is working and say Yes. And let's add an additional 1% for caregiving. Caregiving is something that you and I take Mm. deadly seriously, Mm. whether it is access to paid family leave up on the the hill and talking policy or down in the trenches in our in our employee handbooks and really bringing those, those, you know, legalese bits and pieces together to make a real world experience and have an impact and change a life. Hopefully several by saying You've got to take care of your family. You have to take care of yourself. You have to prioritize not only from a, a selfish perspective of growth and development and, and recognizing milestones in life and change and seasons and et cetera, et cetera, but, but to demonstrate from a leader by you taking your parental leave, you gave permission to every single person and in particular set an example for the men and the non-birth parents in our workplace to say, I have a place, I have an important place, and this is the most important task I can be doing at this particular moment in my life. Mm. And you did it. So if we can take those things, all of that beautiful stuff that we saw in the world, including, you know, best practices, I, although we're, we're moving away from that word slowly but surely, but taking the things that are good in this world and saying, yes, and. And I think that that is a very positive, optimistic way to build culture and to, to lean on the things that have worked, shed the things that are no longer working, and to continue to live in integrity, whether that's through policy or, or simply starting to weave the very beginning fabrics of our own DNA and our own companies that we're building. And, and here's the thing, Kaylin, this is, this is the right capitalist choice to make as investors because having dollars set aside for a founder to use, whether it's for an emergency babysitter or childcare or movers to help an in-law come into their home to live with them, those dollars have such a massive ROI because at an yeah. early stage company, the founders are everything. And they all they're doing is worrying about, if they're good, all they're doing is worrying about keeping their burn rate low. And so they're not going to use those dollars for themselves. But how can we expect a company when the entire team or the two or three co-founders, how do we expect that company to succeed unless those co-founders are in a good enough mental state to to be able to do that really important work? Like it's and and you know yes, I think we'll we'll win because it's good certainly for the reputation of seven seven six, but but practically speaking, you know I I want to make sure any founder who's a parent knows that we're the first we should be the first fund on their list. 
and and again, just from a return on investment standpoint, when they're accessing those dollars and they're able to get that peace of mind to get that free week or that free night or that free everything, like the value of that time is actually priceless. Mm-hmm. And I even think back to my own experience going through YC, and this is you know fairly part of part of this is is pretty is public, but the other part isn't. So you get a scoop. <laughs> you know, I my mother got sick with terminal brain cancer like two months into Y Combinator. So here mm-hmm. I was, fresh out of college, ostensibly running this startup that was going to be my entire life, the most important thing I could do, and this happens. And we were living in Boston at the time, and my family was down in Baltimore. And so I would start flying back on the weekends to spend time mm-hmm. with them. And YC was still in its early days. Paul did his best, but but mm-hmm. really didn't have a framework for how to even have a conversation with me about like, oh, hey, you're 21. Yeah. You're the founder CEO of a startup we just invested in and your mom is dying. Like, yeah. I don't fault him for that. But I think about that experience and I think about what it would have been for me had they said, look, we have money set aside. You can use it for your flights, for those AirTran flights back to Baltimore. And and we know how important this startup is to you and we believe in it 100%, but we know that this is really, really important and actually more important. And the two are more intertwined than I think more people care to acknowledge, yeah. right? There's not, there's not some separate person that deals with family issues and some other person that's the founder of the company. They're the same person. And so yeah. had that program existed, I would have spent the last 15 years talking about it on every yeah. stage I could in every press appearance at every opportunity talking about what a difference it made to me. And so, you know, obviously YC didn't need the help. They're doing great. But, <laughs> but in thinking about how to do it differently, this was a no brainer because yeah. I know even just personally what a difference it would have made. And I, I know what a difference this program you've built is going to make on so many of the lives of our founders and, and, and will actually make us more money in the process and will be the reason why every other firm eventually copies some version of it. Yeah. One of the things we want to teach our founders is how to care for their teams, how to give them the space and the support they need as they grow. And so it becomes this very altruistic flywheel of teaching and bringing empathy and compassion into the workplace. So now are you ready for some totally non-secretive questions? <laughs> okay. This is where we're going to do it. I'm going to ask you questions. I mm-hmm. want you to not overthink it. I just want you to answer as fast as you can. The first few are going to be easy. The last few might get a little deeper. I'm not saying you can't give me the why, but you'll know when it's more appropriate than not. How's that? Okay. All right. Okay. First question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes, it is. I want to upset Reddit. I'm going to upset Reddit. Yeah, it's a sandwich. Thank you. Two, what particular pancake art are you most proud of to date? Oh, I was really happy with my Spider-Man from a few weeks ago. I'd never done Spider-Man before in my first go, usually of anything that I draw on pancake is terrible, but this one was really good. So Spider-Man. Nice. I, I agree. There was some there was some some nice geometry in there that I appreciated. Right? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was good. It's really kind of the Spider-Man. Okay, next question. What is your favorite old school trading card in your shoebox? Wow. Okay. Well, all right. So it's, I, I don't have it. It's, it's definitely a flex. It's a 1956 tops Jackie Robinson. And here's the thing with it. So they had just won the world series and beaten the Yankees, the Brooklyn Dodgers had. And obviously Jackie Robinson broke a lot of barriers. He also stole home plate in that world series. It's pretty, yeah. pretty famous moment. And this card, it's such a, it's such a relic of a, of a, an era 
because tops on the back have these little doodles, like little sketches sort of reenacting moments in this, in these players' histories. And they could not even conceive of sketching Jackie Robinson as a black baseball player. And, and so you see this sketch in the back and it's like Jackie Robinson, the home run or help the Brooklyn. And it was, and it's this white dude. And, and, and it's like, <laughs> And it's like, whose job was it at tops to be like, hey, this doesn't look like this doesn't look like Jackie Robinson at all. Someone <laughs> fix this. And but it's I mean, it, you know, it was 1956 and it's a, and it's a beautiful card on the other. The front is is beautiful. The back is sadly, sadly, <laughs> a, a, a relic of a of a broken, broken system. But yeah, that one's that one's definitely my my favorite. I've got a couple Serena Williams rookie cards too, which I love a lot. But uh, that was the you know, answer I was expecting. No, I like the Jackie story better. No, I thought that you were just gonna. No, no. You I mean, can the, do both. The Serena cards technically are all gifts for her, so right. it's not really in my shoebox. But D- true. Also, true. turns out flowers are more charming than trading cards <laughs> for your partner. <laughs> she was like, "Okay, thanks." I mean, I, I she appreciated them, but she was just like. Mm. Probably should have gone with flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a decent warm up. Are, are you ready for for some of the the deeper ones yeah. that maybe won't be so fast, but we'll we'll try to get through it. Okay. This one I, I would appreciate a fairly short answer on, only because I I know that we could talk about it for a long time. Company culture, family, or sports team? Oh, uh, sports team. I'm married. I'm married to an athlete. She plays solo sports too. But I grew up playing team sports, so we, you know, I, I, I joke that I'm a better team player as a result. Excellent. As someone who invests in and coaches in the next generation of people first leaders, what is the one piece of advice you're sure to give every single founder in the portfolio? Oh, do the work now. Do yeah. the work early and talk to Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Correct answer, sir. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> one last question before we wrap it up. Okay. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but this is the question that I've asked every single leader that I've interviewed with when I decide if they are the person that I want to work with and partner with. Mm. You answered this for me once, and I'm going to ask you this question again. I already took the job, so if I don't like your answer, we're we're kind of up a creek here. So no pressure. (laughs) All right. When was the last time you wanted something so badly it hurt? Wow. When was the last time I wanted something so badly it hurt? I mean, it would be three months ago when I ultimately decided to to split with Gary from Initialized and start 776. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I realized that was lost a lot of sleep over many, many nights. But I realized that was the right move, even though this was, like I said, this is a firm that was doing well. I, I care about Gary a lot. And just needed to needed to do this, needed to build seven seven six. Right answer, you passed. Yeah. Thank goodness, I didn't know what Ooh. I was going to do. Right, job, yeah, job, <laughs> job prospects are tight in COVID. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and phew. and to to recall, that mm, was what yeah. you had said back then too. Oh really? It was it was about oh, doing having having the opportunity to do was what was right in front of you, and you had so mm. much energy. And, and I watched you go through that decision-making process oh, yeah. live this time yeah. and it's good. It's th- this is the energy that you, you get yeah. to ride and really get to build with. So I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way. And cause there was definitely another option 
There was another mm-hmm. path that, that presented itself there in September. And wow. Yeah, definitely. The world will test definitely you. Picked, definitely picked well. I feel so privileged to have had a front row seat to that decision-making process. And I, I know without a shadow of a doubt where, where your heart is when it comes to the impact you want to have on this world and, and the model that you want to set for, for your daughter. So I'm glad that it wasn't pancakes, although we could have dealt with that too. Yeah. Okay. Last question, just to wrap it up here. This is the very last question on the last episode of All Hands 2020. Emphasis on 2020. What advice would you give to founders and people leaders out there trying to make sense of this moment in history? How can they use this as an opportunity to build a better organization in this next chapter moving forward? This is the thing I was thinking last night, because I I had a very subdued, I had a lot of close friends who spent a lot of time doing a ton of work to help bring this to fruition. And, you know, a lot of them were out partying, getting very drunk, hopefully in a, <laughs> in a safe, socially distant way. And I'm, I'm happy they did that. I, I had a very subdued evening. I feel I'm going to crack a beer, made a pizza for the fam. <laughs> and, and just, I really tried to take some time to think about where all this was going to go next, because this is the start of a much bigger journey in this country in everywhere we're going. And this was a baby step. I think now more than ever, companies have so much influence on the world. And we're seeing that head on, right? Whether it's social media, Amazon, Google, et cetera. And there's a whole other conversation about the role business should have in society. But, but let's just continue on the course that we're on. There is so much energy right now that has been going through the trauma of the last four years that is now feeling motivated, determined, that is the wind is at their backs. And so the reaction to the last four years, which I think we can hopefully agree has not been one that is out of respect and creating a sense of belonging and creating a lot of the things that a great and healthy culture org or nation should do for all of its people. The reaction to that is going to be 10x. And, and that's the thing that gives me a lot of hope because I know the founders we're going to meet with now, we're already meeting with now, are a very different kind of motivated about the companies they want to build, the cultures they want to build, the organizations they're going to want to build. And then there's still just a whole host of people who are looking for purposeful work, who are going to want to join organizations that lead from their chest about what they believe in. And, and the vacuum of leadership that we've had in the last four years is actually going to, it's going to make us want great leadership and appreciate great leadership now more than ever. And so I think the imperative is it's never been greater to be a people first leader from, again, from a pure business standpoint, forget what I want society to be like. If you want to win, if you want to attract the best talent, if you want to retain the best talent, you have got to know what your organization stands for. You've got to be willing to do the work to make it better every day. And and if you do it well and you do it right, you're going to be a big winner. In the same way that COVID accelerated five years of tech adoption in five months, and we saw you know e-commerce go one way and traditional retail go the other, et cetera, et cetera, this virus of toxicity has accelerated the need for real leaders and and a willingness and a hunger from from supporters that I, I think is an important time and a rare time because I think we're going to be able to accomplish a lot more a lot faster as a result. Not that it was worth it 
I'm not justifying the last four years. I'm really trying to look at a little bit of silver in the lining, but it's it's going to be really important to get right. And and if you do, I think you'll you you and your organization will win in a big big way. What a beautiful way to end this season of All Hands. A perfect way to summarize 2020. Please, everyone out there listening, take his words and and go forth. Let's let's go do the work. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you, Kaylin. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of All Hands brought to you by Lattice. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. This episode was produced by Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, and Samantha Gatsik. Special thanks to Annette Cardwell. Learn more about how Lattice can help your business stay people-focused at Lattice.com or find us on Twitter at LatticeHQ. Don't forget to subscribe to All Hands wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time. 